Welcome to It's a Good Life, a podcast dedicated to helping you live your best one. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you, and welcome to It's a Good Life. A very special guest, a man I consider a friend, uh, none other than the great Dave Ramsey. Dave is well-known to many of you as a multiple-time New York Times bestseller. His radio stations, over 600 radio stations, 16 million listeners, the Ramsey Corporation. I've had a chance to be out there just uh, in the last couple of months. A remarkable, remarkable organization. Dave, uh, you're the All-American Rags the Riches story this stage of the game, practicing what you preach. So thanks for coming on the show today, and I'm excited to talk about uh, helping some folks change their financial future. Always honored to be with you, my friend. You were a big hit when you were out here with our team. Thank you for coming. Yeah, it was a blast. It was a blast. Okay, Dave, so we got Baby Steps Millionaires, a brand new book coming out today. After all you've done and all you've seen and all you've produced, why are you bringing out a brand new book right now? Well, I hadn't done a book in eight years, personally. We've done them with the Ramsey Personalities. We've got nine other speakers and teachers on our team here, and we've been putting out books with them that have been number one bestsellers, and that's been kind of our goal. But I kind of got a, you know, a frustration. I had a an itch I needed to scratch, and it came from two things. One was I kept hearing this continual drumbeat in the marketplace of people telling Americans that they cannot become wealthy in this current environment. Uh, This wealth inequality or socialism movement or whatever you want to call it is out there, and these hope stealers are out there stealing people's hope. And they were using statistics as if they were facts, like the only way to become wealthy is inherit the money and that kind of thing. And it was just not true. It's it's a lie. And so I thought, I've got to address this because I don't like hope stealers. I like to punch hope stealers in the nose. And so the other thing that was happening was, you know, I've been doing our radio show for 30 years. And like you said, this is the eighth or ninth or 10th book or whatever we've done. And so I am running into people in our lobby doing their debt-free screams or when I go to a restaurant and regardless of what city I'm in in America, I'll bump into somebody and they'll say, hey, man, you know, I started listening to you. 12 years ago, 13, 15 years ago, I started doing your stuff. I went through your class at our church, you know, back back in whatever. And, and man, I'm a millionaire. I followed those baby steps and I'm a millionaire. And we discovered there are tens of thousands of millionaires that followed the baby steps, the process we've taught for years to get out of debt and build wealth. And, and so we've called them baby step millionaires. They're everywhere. And so they were kind of like yelling at me that, hey, we're here even though these hope stealers are saying we don't exist. And I thought, you know what? We've got to tell people the truth. And the truth is these people are here. Here's how they did it. So here's the mathematical truth that shows you'll get there. Here's the stories of people that'll show you get there. Here's me doing this for 30 years. I, you know, I I got all these data stored in my brain. Oh, and by the way, we did the largest study of millionaires ever done in North America. Over 10,000 millionaires studied. And that data, all of it says you can do it. Wow. And of course, it's evidentiary based, right? You're not some theorist. We know today someone, you know, there's, I don't know, 9 million podcasts and 42 million blogs and everybody's got an idea. And, you know, my mother used to say an expert is a guy with a briefcase 50 miles from home. But, you know, like I say, all this experience, all this, I've been there. I've been in your lobby when people walked in and screamed, you know, I'm debt free. I've referred tens of thousands of people to your books over the years because it works. And so, you know, as you talk about it, you know, oftentimes, because you're so well known for helping people cut up the credit cards, get out of debt, but 
a lot of people don't know about the end of the story. And the end of the story is it's supposed to take you somewhere. It's not just a baby step to get out of a really bad place. It's the steps to take you to a really good place. And some people say, oh, yeah, Dave Ramsey's great for helping you get out of debt, but he can't help you make money. And so I think this is great. I really think it is great that you've put together kind of the history, all the experiences, and that the truth of the matter is, in my opinion, as you well know, I'm an immigrant, come here with nothing, made my fortune in America, and I think there's more fortunes to be made in the next 30 years than it was in the last 30 years. But, you know, for political reasons, a lot of people are banging a lot of different drums. Mm-hmm. Let's say someone is out there today, and let's say they're not in the greatest spot, right? So let's say they're your typical person who tunes into Dave Ramsey and goes, you know, I'm, I'm kind of up the creek without a paddle. But let's dive in and kind of whip through the baby steps for them. And then maybe we can pivot and talk about how the baby steps turn into the compounding effect of becoming a millionaire. Sure, sure. Well, baby step one is real simple. Get $1,000 as a starter beginner emergency fund. For a lot of people, that's a big deal. Uh, sometimes you got $10,000 in the bank. Okay, we're going to set 1000 of that aside. Now you got baby step one. Baby step two is we want you to pay off all of your debt except your home using what we call the debt snowball. You list your debt smallest to largest, attack them in that order. That usually takes, with all the millions and millions of people we've worked with, somewhere around 18 to 24 months. Now, some people got $300,000 in student loan debt. It's going to take longer. Some people got $2 in debt, and they're done (laughs) in a minute and a half, right? But the average is 18 to 24 months. Now, you're debt-free, but your house. That's a pretty cool place to be right there. And you're right. That's what I'm kind of known for. I didn't start out to be known for that. I started out because I want to get people out of debt so that they can become wealthy, so that they can change their family trees, so that they can be outrageously generous. The get out of debt thing was just to get control of your largest wealth building tool, which is your income. When you don't have any payments, you start investing, you you got money. Duh. You know, so you get rid of the payments. Then we go to baby step three, which is three to six months of expenses. Grandma's emergency fund. Now, if you've got grandma's emergency fund and you don't have any payments, but a house payment and a pandemic hits, you are not at the mercy of the big bad wolf out there huffing and puffing. And so you're the third pig in the brick house at that point, instead of the first two that got their house blown over. So you got ready to do life right. Now you've gotten rid of the defensive problems. You're ready to play offense. And we jump over to baby steps four, five, six. Four is put 15% of your income into retirement. Five is start something on your kid's college. And six is let's put everything else we can within reason while you're living your life towards paying off your home. When you do that, that puts us into baby step seven. Now, Brian, here's what we discovered. When we studied the millionaires, now I'm not talking about somebody with $20 million or $40 million. I'm talking about one to $5 million, the first milestone of wealth. The typical millionaire that we talked to, like 85% of them sounded just like this. It took 12 to 17 years. They paid off their home in 10 years, that baby step six, I said, while they were putting 15% of their money away towards retirement. And they look up and they've got $750,000, $800,000 in their retirement and they got a paid for four, five, six hundred thousand dollar home somewhere in America. Mm. That puts them with a net worth of over a million dollars. It makes you a millionaire. Mm. Now, as we all know, a million dollars isn't what it used to be. Right. That doesn't matter. You're still a millionaire, mm-hmm. and it's still more than most people got. So shut up. Yeah, You're right. on your way now, right? No, it's huge. And like I say, you know, because the goalposts keep changing and the the numbers keep changing for people. So as you know, I got six kids, and they're all. Now that age where graduated college or they have friends that, you know, that are in the workplace now. And so our house has always been the magnet for everybody to come together. 
Sure. And what I've noticed over the last 12 months or nothing, you know, it's all oh, Mr. B, what should we do this? And I'm known as the real estate guy. Should I invest in real estate? All these things. And lately, the conversation comes to crypto because now that's like, geez, I don't know about these six and seven percent returns and waiting 10 years and doing that stuff. And, you know, young people by nature are more aggressive, impetuous, and so on and so forth. But now what I'm hearing more and more is more and more of these younger people who are looking for these outrageous rates of return. And I've asked them all the time, like, I'll, I won't give them advice on crypto. I just tell me, tell me what you know. Tell me what crypto is. Tell me what you know about it. Tell me how you've studied it. Tell me what the long-term implications are. And they don't know jack cheese about it. And so what I see is a lot of stuff where now a lot of people are, are these young people, they don't have a lot of debt. They want to become investors. They're in the workforce. And now they want to basically go to Vegas. And so maybe we could talk a little bit. You know, you have this 15% of your pre-tax income to retirement. What are some of your recommendations? What do your team recommend for people as they start trying to accumulate? Well, what should they be investing in? Well, here's the thing. If you want to study people that are actually millionaires and do what they did to become an actual millionaire, that's one thing. If you want to have a theory on an unproven process, that's another thing. Okay. Now you and I have been doing this a long time. I've seen, I think I got my real estate license in 1978. You and I've had a lot of wonderful meals and a lot of discussions about the real estate business. I love the real estate business. And, um, I think I've seen about four, I know of three real strong ones, but four cycles of get rich, nothing down real estate come through. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the Dave Del Dotto, remember him by the waves oh, with God. the infomercials and those guys? <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Uh, is that a name from the past? Crawl. Is that a name oh, from the Robert past? Robert Allen. Yeah. Yeah. Robert <laughs> Allen, nothing down. And, and uh, you know, I, I, that's how I went broke. I got in that stuff and lost everything. And, and so I, but I've seen several cycles of get rich come and go. Bitcoin is another, you know, uh, NFT is another form of get rich. And the reason it's get rich is it's unproven. I'm fine with Bitcoin once it's proven. But right now it's a freaking theory. Um, you know, well, David, for the last six months, six months, I'm 61. I got, I got socks older than people asking these questions, right? So six months ain't spent, you know? So, you know, you, you, you give me a proven number of, that the largest number of millionaires became rich in America using Bitcoin, I'll endorse Bitcoin or nothing down real estate or beanie babies. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. But, but right now, when we studied the largest study a millionaire's ever done, what we found was that the typical millionaire has used their 401k mm -hmm. and their paid off house to be, and, and their Roth IRA and good growth stock mutual funds. And it took them 12 to 17 years from the time they started the process diligently. And they weren't living in a cave collecting lint. They went on vacation. They bought cars and couches, uh, but they didn't overspend. And they watched what they were doing and they were steady, steady, steady. And that's the vast majority of them. Now, if you want to do something that's unproven or do what is proven, you get to choose that. Right. These are facts. Yeah. This is not theory. And I think the other part of it is when you bust your hump hard, you know, for people like you and me, we started off and had some rough, rough goes at the beginning. And I think when you have the tough time, it produces a, a different sense of value of the asset. Yep. And, you, you know, you bust your hump so hard to go make it that you just don't want to flitter it away. And I think... For some folks, you know, they haven't had the difficult times. I, I, I love the, the old proverb that says, 
you know, tough times produce tough men, tough men produce good times, and good times produce weak men, <laughs> you know, and weak men produce tough times. And, you know, sometimes we have this cycle where some people have had it handed to them, they don't have necessarily the, the they had, haven't had the, as, le, as much graft to go find it. And therefore, they're kind of open to these dynamics. And I just think, you know, the, the, what I hear from you saying there is, if you're going to bet your financial future on something, it better be something worth betting your life on. And you better be something you have that kind of certainty on. And it should have some type of track record. I, I really think the real issue is that, as you know, whether it be the dot-com booms, whether it be the nothing down real estate, whether it be cryptocurrency, the hard thing is to stay disciplined. When everyone around you goes, you, know, you stand like you're standing still on the freeway. Oh, yeah, I just made a fortune. I just made this. And it's like, it's like the people coming back on Southwest Airlines to San Diego from Vegas on the weekend. And everyone on the plane is talking about how, what they won, you know, and you know, they're all coming home broke. It's a golfing story yeah. and a fish story. Yeah. They caught one fish one time. They hit one good stroke of golf and they hit the roulette wheel one time. And so now they're a freaking expert. And, and I'm sorry, it just doesn't work that way in the real world. Uh, now, if you want to put a percentage of your money on the roulette wheel and you call that uh, or, or Bitcoin or, or whatever else, that's okay. But but don't tell me it is a proven method of building wealth because it's not. Right. It's not been around long enough to be proven. So let me and obviously we know the real estate piece. Real estate in itself is in a very unusual spot right now. We know the average homeowner has forty six times the average net worth of the average renter. You've mm-hmm. been a big proponent of real estate for years and years and years. You have a huge commitment in your company to the real estate industry. But let's talk about it as it sits today. Obviously, we know we've had significant appreciation, you know, not commensurate with people's raises in salary, right? I mean, in San Diego, where I'm at right now, it was already very expensive. And then it went up 19% last year. So, you know, what we are seeing is people who are now willing to start moving around. We were talking before we came on air, but all the folks moving to Tennessee, moving out of California, going to Boise, going to Texas, going to Florida. How are you encouraging people these days to buy real estate or invest in real estate when the game has gotten so much more expensive, so much more in demand, construction has not kept up with demand and is still is about 15 million units behind over the next 20 years. It looks like the demand is going to continue to outstrip supply. What's your best advice for people right now investing in real estate? Well, whether it's Bitcoin or real estate or all the other things we've been talking about, if you're driven by one of two things, you're going to make mistakes, uh, greed mm-hmm. or fear. Mm-hmm. If you're afraid and that's driving you, you're going to make a mistake. If you're greedy, you're going to make a mistake. It causes all of us to do it. And I've done it. Uh, when I'm afraid, I usually right after that, I get desperate if I get really afraid and 100% of the stupid butt stuff Dave Ramsey's ever done was when he was desperate. When you feel this sense that it's getting away from you and you've got to run to catch up or jump on a car that you don't know how to drive, you're that, that sense of desperation, like it's slipping past the ends of my fingers will cause you to buy a home you can't afford, invest in things that aren't proven chasing a return that's unrealistic over the long haul. And these are where you lose your butt, where you get yourself in a crack, man. And so, you know, buying a home you can't afford. So what I always tell people, and it's always, a lot of it started with Californians or New Yorkers or whatever, is you don't get a pass on math based on where you live. You still have to be able to afford the payment. Hello. And if you use all of your income, 
to pay your house payment. That's called house poor. And you're going to have trouble buying the next car. You're going to have trouble funding your kid's college. You're going to have funding, trouble funding retirement. You're going to have trouble having an emergency fund. And all of those things are going to happen, and they look like debt in the future because you had so much debt now that you couldn't breathe. And so, yes, get in the housing game, but do it with wisdom and do it with a pace that makes sense. Calm down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This sense of desperation, like, we're not going to make it. We're all going to die of COVID. I've got to go fast. You know, this existential crisis that is happening in people's spirits is causing a whole bunch of folks in America, regardless of their age, to do some really dumb things that's going to cost them and set them back a decade. Yeah. No, it's true. And I think one of the, obviously, the most amazing dynamics is how the work from home world has changed and how it allows, like, we have people you know, we had 250 people here on staff that 55 of them now live out of state. We have people who live two, two and a half hours away from work, and they're coming in a couple days a week. And they're they're buying home. You know, it's a lot easier to buy a home in Hamas than it is in Carlsbad, you know? Amen. And it's been great. And I think it's one of the things that we can take advantage of in the world we live in today. Remote work, these different dynamics, you're able to go to less expensive areas or buy more home, get more bang for your buck. And employers seem to be more and more accommodating to work with people who don't want to commute every single day. And I think that's really helped and will help the real estate business in the future. Like you say, it's that feeling of, oh, I'm missing out, I'm missing out, I'm missing out. But I think you still got to live in it. You still got to make those payments. To the extent that that what you're saying actually works out, it's going to help the market in the areas that are more uh, generously priced in the areas that are very, very expensive, it's going to market correct some of those areas because the demand's going to drop because people simply aren't going to be there. It's that simple for whatever reason. And, it, it, you know, if you get demand and supply curves down, then you can adjust pricing. And you don't have to have a collapse to do that. It's a simple thing of, you know, the, the reason we've seen these ridiculous increases in the past 24 months has just been the supply-demand curve went bananas not only on uh, building supplies themselves, which drove new housing prices up, which also brings the used housing up, but then just the simple, you know, 10 buyers chasing one house everywhere we go. And when you've got that, you're going to see unrealistic, unsustainable price increases. And so that's going to calm down. It'll calm down over time. And what you're talking about will help it do that. Yeah, for sure. Dave, I always admire you being on the radio every day. I mean, I, as a, as a pro and a presenter and just the, the type of dedication that takes, and you are, uh, you're like the sunrise every morning. You're there, you're pounding away, you do your thing. It's a, <laughs> it's a level of resiliency and uh, dedication that's not really that common anymore. I would just love you on a personal note. I mean, you, you get up and you bring it every day. You have I mean, uh, you know, we have mutual friends, uh, you know, I've known people who've known you since day one, and uh, you've just been so faithful and so consistent. You know, one of the elements of success economically is being successful at work. What can you say to that level of dedication and commitment and faithfulness you have personally every single day that's made you who you are, that's led to the successes, that's also led to the economic success that comes behind it? So I know you don't get this all the time, but from one practitioner to another, I've always been amazed at just how faithful and consistent you are. You you show up every day, you ring the bell, someone calls in and it might be the eighth time you heard that question that week, you give that answer like it's the first time you've ever heard it. 
And I would just love you to share a little bit of your own, where's that juice come from and how can people kind of adopt some of that juice in their own business and life? Well, I'm unusually blessed uh, in that area. And the unusual blessing was I lost everything and went broke when I was 28 and um, had to start again. And that's when I started discovering these common sense principles that we started teaching. And um, as I started teaching them and started living them, they worked. And I had this wonderful thing happen that I realized it was a call on my life. And uh, so it's just been, uh, every day is is a fun thing. And, and I mean, I get to come to work every day and people ask my opinion. <laughs> wow, that's pretty yeah. strokey if you think about it, you know? I get to come to work every day and people actually care about my opinion. That's pretty strokey too. I get stroked. I mean, who doesn't come to work for this, you know? So, uh, and I get to come to work and people say, you changed my life. And I get to come to work and watch the light bulb come over the top of someone's head as if it's a cartoon when they go, oh, I get it. And you can tell they're going to go do it. You can hear them on the radio when they're going to do it or when they're not going to do it. You go, that guy ain't listening, right? Or that one's got, that one's game on. She's going to go get that done. And that's so motivating. And it's just downright fun. And so that makes it ridiculously easy to continue to stay up and to continue to push through. And then when I'm a little bit tired or grouchy or don't feel so good or something or for whatever reason, all I got to do is come to work. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's, it's just not fair, Brian. It's yeah. really not fair. Well, that's a great deal. And like I say, I think, uh, you know, I often believe more is caught than taught. And you know, you've, you, you have a business that teaches people finances. You have a business that helps people who own businesses. You guys have built this phenomenal organization and entity in and of itself. You've made a huge impact in your community right there in Franklin. But I also, like I say, I, as a practitioner, I watch and I watch and I study and I learn. And there's very few who've ever been as consistent and faithful and still focused and still driven and still setting goals, you know, and I think it's inspiring. And I think it's, that's the stuff for people to understand that there's a bit of juice behind it. You know, you're 61 years of age. You still got a bunch of goals. You still got growth plans. I was at, at on the campus and there was piles of dirt and we're going to put a building there and we're going to put that building there. And there was still a lot of plans. Uh, there, you know, and I know you're playing golf now and whatever else, but it doesn't seem like there's any let up or you're heading for the happy hunting grounds anytime soon. Yeah, we're having fun. And, and you know, the only reason we do any of that stuff is we get the opportunity to help people. And if you help people, you help enough people, you don't have to worry about money. Right. Right. Yep. Well, it's a beautiful thing. Last couple of things here, Dave. You know, we've got this book. We got Baby Steps Millionaires coming out today. Why do we need to get people this book in their hands and what do they need to do with it once they get, their, get a copy of it? Well, I mean, Total Money Makeover, if you want to learn the baby steps, 8 million people have bought that book. Thank you for those of you that bought it. Um, it, it you know, it shows you exactly every nuance and every part of the seven baby steps. The Baby Steps Millionaire book is showing that when you use those baby steps, here's what's going to happen. And it defeats the arguments between your two ears, which is where the biggest argument occurs. If you can, if you can get the guy in your mirror to really believe, the gal in your mirror to really believe that if I do one plus one, I'm going to get two. That if I plant corn, I'm going to grow corn. If I can, if I can, the cause and effect of this arithmetic, if you can get them to really believe that, then not only will they start the process, they'll stick with it and actually become a millionaire. So this is, you and I are old sales dogs, man. We've been selling our whole lives. And this is me selling you on the idea that you can do this so that you go do it. Yeah, for sure. And it's going to be, and it's, and you know, I've looked at it. 
total money makeover. I have a box full of them in my office here. I prescribe it on a regular basis. Thank you. I've promoted it to hundreds of thousands of people. I have two of my boys going through it right now. But I also think it is exciting to hear, and I, I was excited to hear you were bringing out the, the Baby Steps Millionaire book because that's the payoff and that's where people are at. And there's so much money and so much cash around right now, giving people some practical how-tos on how to actually get ahead, stay ahead, and use a proven system, something that's helped millions of people over an extended period of time, not a bunch of theory, not some idea. You weren't on The Apprentice on Tuesday and brought out the book on Thursday. This is uh, tried and true, and uh, you've been helping people for a long time, Dave, and I really appreciate it. You've, you've been a blessing. You've blessed a lot of people. Your company's a blessing. I'm glad to know you as a friend and really excited to get behind this book. It's uh, Baby Steps Millionaires, folks. It's out today. Get your book wherever great books are sold. Dave Ramsey, thanks for joining me today. It's a pleasure having you on, bud. Thank you, my friend. We're huge Buffini fans, and we're honored to be with you. Well, once again, Dave, thanks for joining me. I appreciate you so much. And wish you all the best on your journey towards the good life. Hopefully, this last half hour was a good half hour for you so that you can have uh, good finances and leave you better off than we found you as you pursue the good life. And to remind us all of the good life, I'm going to have my mom, the dear Therese Buffini, 91 years of age, leave us with a little Irish blessing. Over to you, Therese. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.